0: Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. The Grain Talk podcast is distributed on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, we will speak with Mike Buttonham, the Sustainability and Environment Coordinator for Grain Farmers of Ontario. He is going to explain some of the latest initiatives we're involved with to ensure our farmers are meeting the needs of food processors and consumers who want to know what farmers are doing to protect the environment. Later on in the podcast, we will also get an update from Barry Senth, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario. First, a Grain Talk news update. The Ontario Cereal Crops Committee will not be publishing a 2019 Winter Cereals Performance Trial Report. All of the winter wheat performance trials conducted by the committee in southern and eastern Ontario were severely affected by the prolonged wet weather during the fall, winter, and spring. As a result of these unprecedented conditions, there is insufficient data for reliable results for most of the province. Two trials in Area 5, which is northern Ontario, are expected to produce reasonable data, but harvest is extremely delayed, and the report for Area 5 will only be released once this information is available. Farmers are urged to use information in the 2018 Winter Cereals Performance Report as their guide in evaluating varieties for selection this fall. Despite the difficult growing season for winter wheat, harvest is now underway. The Ontario Wheat Harvest Quality Program received its first results this week. Green Farmers of Ontario has partnered with SGS Canada for this program, which analyzes samples from across the province in order to create a picture of the quality of each year's harvest. 43 samples of soft red winter wheat were received from the southwest region, with 93% of samples grading number 2 or better. These early sample results showed protein equal to the 3-year average at 9.4%, good falling numbers, and also little to no fusarium. Look for more results from the quality survey under the production section of GFO.ca. And now, here's my conversation with Mike Buttonham. Joining us on the podcast this week is Mike Buttonham. He is the Sustainability and Environment Coordinator here at Green Farmers of Ontario. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Mike. Thanks,
1: Rachel. It's great to be here.
0: So why don't we start by having you explain what exactly it means for you to be the Sustainability and Environment Coordinator?
1: Sure. So sustainability is something that I think everyone's probably heard of over the last few years and the last few months. It's, It's a word that's definitely thrown around quite a bit in various walks of life whether we talk about the same sustainability of the real estate market or the sustainability of the stock market but my role here at grain farmers of ontario is specific to the sustainability and environment as it relates to uh, farm production so back i guess it was uh, in the early 2012 period when gfo um, hired the first sustainability coordinator and that was really at a time when demands for sustainability were starting to come down the pipeline. So that really predominantly started with soybeans going into uh, the European Union. But it's very much evolved to, to other things. Um, so really, the focus point of, of of my role here is to put ourselves in a position where we can ensure that our farmers have access to the markets they need um, and, and make sure that sustainability is something that we can deliver on a, on a global scale.
0: So how did you end up in this role? Why was it something that appealed to you and sort of how does it fit with uh, your background and, and what you wanted to do with your career?
1: You know, when I first uh, started, I guess, take me back to days when I was in high school. Um, You know, working on the farm is is something that I enjoyed. Um, You know, learning a lot about agriculture was great. It was a great experience. Definitely learned a lot. But I also took a few classes in high school on environment and environmental resource management. And that really was a great opportunity for me as well, because I was really interested in learning about rivers and kind of ecosystems and that sort of thing. But it wasn't really that I fully understood that those two words could collide until I actually had an opportunity um, when I was in university to have a summer job experience with OMAFRA and that was a great opportunity i was able to work in the environmental management branch there and that was where the two worlds collided of you know my passion and, and interest in agriculture but also my passion and interest for for the environment and i guess i never really thought those two worlds could could live together but uh it so happened that that really role allowed me to see that so I took maybe a different approach, um, kind of to back up with, with my university education. I didn't go to Guelph. I went to the University of Waterloo and took a background in uh, geography and environmental management. And University of Waterloo is, is quite well known for their environmental program. Um, we actually here at GFO are working with a few researchers out of the University of Waterloo. Mayor McCrae, for instance, who's very active on the phosphorus loss tile drains um, projects. So... You know, there is um, some aspect of agriculture that's looked at it at the University of Waterloo, but the environmental component is, is quite strong. And and I think that background was was great for me. And then, as I mentioned, this colliding of two worlds with, with uh, agriculture environments. So um, I was lucky enough out of university to uh, have a job down in Chatham-Kent, and there I was with the Lower Thames Valley Conservation Authority, and that role was really um, the area of kind of stewardship and working with farmers to implement best management practices where possible. And then that kind of gave me a good foundation for, for coming to GFO here. So now I'm uh, obviously, as we mentioned, a sustainability environment coordinator here at GFO. And I think those various past practices or past experience will really have, uh, have helped me in, in this current role. Um, especially as it relates to environment and sustainability and, and agriculture, trying to all live under under one kind of umbrella or one roof.
0: Now, when we talk about sustainability and agriculture, a lot of people have their own definitions about what that means. So from our standpoint as an organization, how do we explain sustainability?
1: Sure. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think, as I mentioned earlier, that sustainability is something that we get thrown around in a lot of different things. We have new topics obviously popping up all the time with regenerative agriculture and that sort of thing. But generally speaking, you know, GFO has has put kind of put forth a, a definition of sustainability. Sustainability is a part of our strategic plan. We want our farmer members to be economically viable while ensuring our commitments to environment and society. So I think that's a pretty general description that we can all live by, whether it's, you know, agriculture or our own lives. You know, we obviously want to be economically viable. We want to, you know, be thriving in that way, but we also want to maintain our responsibilities to the environment and, and to society as a whole. So, you know, I think those are, are, are simple kind of pillars to live by. And there's definitely different ways in which each person can achieve that in different situations.
0: So as part of our commitment to sustainability, there's several different initiatives that we're involved with that really take up a lot of your time, I guess we could say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So one of the big ones is SAI. So what is SAI? We like to throw around a lot of acronyms. So I guess, what is that program?
1: Sure. So yes, another acronym in the agriculture industry, no surprise there. SAI stands for the Sustainable Agriculture Initiative Platform, and essentially This initiative was developed back in 2002. It was Danone, Nestle, and Unilever. And these three companies came together because they had goals and aspirations of working on sustainability uh, around the globe. And they're really having difficulty as individual companies trying to achieve those individual goals. So the thought was to come together um, as, as a group, in a pre-competitive fashion to work towards these sustainability goals. So there's kind of an interesting concept because at no point ever have you had three major, major brands like that ever work together on something. It's obviously been very specific in company, but this was thought as the way to try and drive sustainability forward. So flash forward, you know, 2002, three members, those that I mentioned in Unilever and Nestle to now today, The SAI platform is over 100 members of the likes of Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Heineken, major food and beverage manufacturers. So the primary objective of the platform is to really work on sustainability from a pre-competitive level and to really drive sustainable agriculture um, across the globe. So a part of the SAI platform, they've developed a tool called the Farm Sustainability Assessment Tool, FSA for short. Another acronym. Exactly. (laughs) Keeping in trend. And this FSA tool is comprised of 112 questions that look at the main pillars of sustainability, the economics, the environment, and the social parameters. And it allows farms to assess their their sustainability. Um, It's quite extensive in the sense that it covers a wide variety of topics, but there's nothing on the assessment of the 112 questions that would really shock anyone. It's really trying to get to the root of, of the farm operation keeping in mind this is a, a global context tool so it's very generalized questions in the fact that you know there's questions around you know do you take measures to reduce soil erosion on your farm well that's applicable here but it's also applicable in the you know um, Asian marketplace or in South America for instance so it's trying to create these questions that really can drive sustainable change on the ground. So this FSA will then um, give a score out. So it's not a pass or a fail. It's really trying to, you know, take a step back and really assess your operation.
0: So with over 100 questions, a lot of farmers don't like to do a lot of paperwork. And that seems like it could be quite daunting. So what is that process like for a farmer to go through? And does it take a long time?
1: No, I wouldn't say it takes a long time by any means, um, but it does take time. I won't, I won't shy away from saying that at all. And I think there is an online tool that has been developed that has really, I think, allowed the process to maybe speed up so the paperwork can maybe be taken digital so it's not as, as big of a, a you know, paperwork project. But, but yes, it, it does take time. Um, It takes time from someone to, you know, sit down and and go through the 112 questions. Um, You know, from our experience, it's taken around maybe an hour of someone's time. But with that being said, we've also done some things to try and speed up the process. So being a global scope tool, um, it needs to be relevant across, across the globe. So. What we found is that there are some questions that may be deemed as irrelevant probably the wrong word, but I'm going to use it here is not as relevant to us. And one example that I like to use is for grower pesticide training. Um, That's something that we have in our toolbox here in Ontario that's quite unique, to be honest. Um, There's not many places around the world that have that. And there are a number of things that we're already doing um, that have been obviously put in place because of law. And through this process, we've been able to kind of check the box off on these sorts of things prior to the farmer going through. So a farmer now will go through the process, the 112 questions, and there will be actually some questions within that that will be pre-populated because it's, it's been legislated. It's part of law. It's assumed that everyone is a law-abiding citizen and that therefore this, this is the checkbox. So... I think things like that will really, you know, help speed the process and you know take it from maybe an hour or so to under, um, which is, is great because obviously time is is important and and we only have so much of it, especially on any given day.
0: So why should farmers participate in this program? Why should they um, take the time to actually uh, fill out that uh, form and and you know participate in SAI?
1: Well, I think, obviously, the the first thing that comes to mind in that regard is as it relates to some market demands. And, you know, internally here, we've had some conversations with groups. And and generally speaking, you know, companies are making sustainability claims, um, you know, public. We know that sustainability is something that is gaining in importance to the marketplace. And I think in order for us to continue to remain competitive in a global marketplace, sustainability is something that maybe we can offer as that bit of a market niche, um, you know? I think sustainability, obviously, is is coming. There's there's more and more companies talking about it, um, not just here in Canada, but the U.S. As I mentioned earlier, Europe was kind of the founding founding place that we really saw some of these demands coming for, but now we're seeing it, you know, on a greater global scale. Scale. So, um, you know, I think this offers opportunity for us to remain competitive. Um, you know, farmers can can really use it, though, as well as a means to assess their operation. And I think, you know, I've got a lot of great feedback from growers that have have gone through the um, FSA because they've really said it's given them opportunity to just take a step back and assess their operation. And, you know, the questions around do you have a business plan and do you have all sorts of things? And the farmer says, well, Yes, I do have those things, but they're not necessarily written down and stuff like that. So, you know, it's it's trying to at least start the conversation on a lot of these things, whether it be a business plan or whether it be health and safety plan or whether it may be as simple as, you know, putting a first aid kit in a tractor. But it's really just trying to to get the conversations going and and really look to try and have some uh, impactful change uh, on the ground where where it's possible.
0: So why the SAI platform in, instead of some of the other initiatives that are out there on, on the global scale?
1: Yeah, so sustainability programs are, there's a lot of them out there. It's uh, it, it can be complex. So I think, I don't know, there's probably close to over 100, and I know we've been involved in the roundtable for Responsible Soy prior to this. Um, but the SAI platform, kind of the one piece and, and uh, piece that I think makes it, you know, great in my mind is that it is cross commodity so we know that growers here are growing multiple crops in rotation Um, you know Ontario obviously is a a vast garden we have vegetable production we have processing vegetables we have tender fruit we have all these different crops so the SAI platform really lends itself to be applicable to all those crops it's not just specific to soybeans as the roundtable for responsible soy was
0: and you were recently in Chicago for a conference relating to SAI. Can you tell us a little bit about what that event was about?
1: Sure. So, the SAI platform annually will host a conference. Um, the conference is a great opportunity to have membership come together and, and meet under one roof. And there's an opportunity for a lot of sharing and dialogue and, and sessions on kind of sustainability, but also what some of the companies are working on. In their specific supply chain so for the first time ever they were able to host the conference in North America which was a, a great opportunity I think um, so I was able to attend myself which was which was great and the conference uh, started it with some field tours and uh, which was quite fascinating and I think uh, I I definitely learned a lot from those those tours so first the tour we went to was Um, It was called Biotown Egg. It was out in Indiana, so we made a bit of a a travel down to uh, out of Chicago through the busy rush hour and and into Indiana to see this Biotown Egg, which was a biodigester site. So this group, uh, they started originally into cash crop, um, but over the time they've slowly built their business. Um, They had a finishing barn as well as they had a, a feedlot as well. And they had a lot of um, manure that was coming from those sites. So the natural fit was to put in a biodigester. But they're also, interestingly enough, um, using a lot of um, waste from from manufacturing processes around with food waste and using that to uh, include in their biodigester. So it was kind of a fascinating uh, example of, of what they were doing. And they really had high aspirations to do more. You know. I was speaking with uh, the owner and just kind of, you know, why they decided to go down that path. And they said, really, it was about diversifying their operation. And I think that ties back into sustainability, is you know, trying to diversify yourself. So when you know risks come about, whether it be weather markets, you do have additional sources of income to try and support you through some of the tougher times. So. It was fascinating to speak to someone like that that's really grown this uh, this business and, you know, it was quite the impressive place.
0: And what else did you get to see?
1: So one of the, well, we went to another farm. Um, it was a typical kind of uh, cash crop farm out in, uh, we were still in Indiana at that point in time. So corn, uh, soy, they also grew sea corn. But interestingly enough, I've never even realized this was a thing, but they uh, were growing uh, oregano, mint, uh, peppermint, and spearmint.
0: Wow. Yeah, exactly. I guess when you think about those flavors, you know, for example, in gum, (laughs) you don't realize that that actually then comes from a plant. Exactly.
1: So uh, their market was actually in Chicago. Um, I guess it was, I think Wrigley Confectionery is based there. And uh, a lot of their uh, their mint goes into gum production. So
0: I always assumed those were just synthetic flavors.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I thought. I thought it was you know artificial flavoring, but it actually is is real uh, real mint oil. So they it must have smelled nice. It did. It did. <laughs> They're actually uh, they said that during the period when they distill the uh, the mint leaves, people along the road will say, "Oh, we can tell that you're." you're distilling them because the smell just infuses the entire region uh, where they're working. So
0: I guess it's better than some other farm smells that tend to permeate regions.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think that's one that doesn't cause any, uh, neighbor, neighbor issues. That one, that's for sure. So, uh, but yeah, it, it was fascinating to see. So I never really realized, as I mentioned that mint production, spearmint, peppermint was a, was a, you know, a profitable thing, but, uh, this grower has been growing it for a number of years and and definitely, again, talking about differentiating income streams, he's got his typical kind of corn, soybean, sea corn production. But this is also another income stream that he has from, from that spearmint peppermint oil. So they've actually, it was interesting um, speaking with them because they developed their own kind of uh, distillation process. So essentially what they do is they harvest the, um, the mint leaves. It's almost like a hay bind that they cut and then they, blow into wagons and then they'll distill them for their oil. So they'll pump in a lot of uh, steam to try and get the pores to open up within the leaves and drop the oil out of the leaves. And then you still have the remaining amounts of of leaves that then get spread back out on the field because essentially the oil has been extracted and and it's kind of useless at that point. But it is a, a form of of uh, biomass that they can spread back out on the field
0: and at the conference itself outside of the tours what did you find interesting or was there anything that i guess was in discussion that is sort of moving the industry forward or that's taking this aspect of sustainability in a new direction
1: yeah sure it um you know i think from my general observation from the conference was that you know sustainability has been talked about for a, a number of years and know, it's obviously the top mind of a lot of uh, end users and retailers and that sort of thing. But it seems to me that there's been a bit of a switch into, you know, the way it's going in a sense. So as we talked about before, we have the FSA and 112 questions and a farmer would go through that and and, which is great, obviously. But these companies are and, you know, the SI group as a whole are looking at what kind of things we can do for maybe more impactful change on the ground. So interestingly enough, there was a, a project that was done with it was Unilever and PepsiCo in Iowa with corn and soybean farmers. And interestingly enough, those companies came together to work together, um, but also provided some cost share opportunities for farmers that were interested in planting cover crops. So now you're kind of seeing this um, evolution that, that companies are really interested in trying to you see some some you know, new best management practices that maybe if a farmer was not so um, willing to because of cost or, or that sort of thing that now there's opportunities for cost share um, from these groups, which I think is, is fascinating to me that they're willing to invest money in that.
0: Yeah, from a company perspective that, that they are, I guess, that willing to support the idea of truly being sustainable from, I guess the ground up mm-hmm
1: no exactly and and you're seeing this more and more is that you know these companies are you know they're not saying they're necessarily food companies but they're saying you know the we have all you know, ties to, to the supply chain from primary production all the way through and I think you know we can see that with General Mills for instance that you know is obviously a large producer of cereals and granola bars and a number of other products but now they've they've hired themselves as soil scientist, which is fascinating as well to think that a company that's really been focused on food production is now focusing also on agriculture production. So they definitely see value to that in you know their their business um, and trying to sustain you know agriculture moving forward.
0: Now, when we talk about sustainability and I guess the way we do things here in Ontario and in Canada, it's somewhat different than they do in other parts of the world. So recently we had a group of European Union journalists uh, come and have a tour here in Ontario that the market development team, uh, which you're a part of, um, helped to organize. So can you explain to us uh, who was involved in that program and sort of why market development wanted to showcase Ontario sustainability?
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, so we had the opportunity to host a group of seven journalists, uh, eight including yourself actually, and uh, these people came from the European Union. Uh, we had two that arrived from Ireland, two from the UK, two from Netherlands, and one from Spain. And we had the opportunity to kind of showcase to them, you know, the sustainability of Ontario agriculture like in a short three day period. So it was an action packed period that we. The opportunity to see a number of different farm businesses um, across the province, and uh, really the the purpose of this of this mission was really to provide an opportunity to share our story with these journalists. You know, the European Union is a, is a large market of ours. Um, sustainability is also something that's quite important to the European marketplace. So this was a perfect opportunity for us to to bring these journalists over and to really share our story as Ontario, the Ontario brand. And really showcase to them what it means to be sustainable in Ontario. So it was a great it was a great trip. Definitely a lot of learnings on both sides, which is which is always great.
0: Now, some of the farms that we went to. So, for example, we went to Shepherd Creek Farm, which is operated by Mark and Sandy Brock, and to Barlow Farms, which is operated by Jeff Barlow, who's one of our directors. Um, they had, I guess, the same goal when it came to sustainability, but different approaches and how they got there in terms of no-till or strip-till and just, um, again, focusing on their farms and their soil types and, and sort of their goals. So what did you get a sense from the journalists in terms of those farm tours and seeing how two different producers are working towards the same goal?
1: Yeah, I think the journalists definitely saw, you know, the differences with both operations because, you know, obviously geography, soil type, as you mentioned, rotation, you know, that fact that you may have livestock definitely impacts your, your decisions, which then, you know, impact the the way that you're going to be achieving sustainability. So I think it really maybe set forth to them that there is not a prescribed process to sustainability and in each farm is very unique. You know, you have a unique um, operation, whether, you know, you have livestock or don't, or you're growing some higher value crops for processing or for fresh market, so I think you I think it really set in, and and I think it sets in with myself as well. Is that you know sustainability isn't necessarily that you know destination of going from A to B. It's about kind of how you're getting there and how you're adapting for your own specific operation. You know there isn't a really recipe of A plus B equals C for sustainability. It's very unique to your own operation. So I think I think that was a great takeaway for the group to say that. You know there isn't one way you achieve this. There's multiple ways that work for, for different people based off, you know, you know, their own practices.
0: So did you get any feedback from the journalists in terms of what they might have been surprised about when it came to agriculture in Ontario, whether that's in regards to what we're growing or how we're growing it or the technology that we're using?
1: Yeah, I think there were some things they were a bit surprised about. Um You know, when we look at the EU as as a large market access point, I think they were maybe not as familiar with the ability for us to ship grain actually into the European Union. Um, We have a St. Lawrence Seaway that uh, really allows us the opportunity to have easy access to that market. So I think that was something that that was quite fascinating to them as well. Also it was quite interesting to them I think was the ability for us to grow both you know gMO soybeans as well as non gMO and kind of how those systems work um, independently to try and you know make sure there's no contamination on either side. I think that was quite interesting to them because we we know that uh, the european marketplace is is um, you know gmo is is a is a issue kind of a that uh, pops up, and the fact that we're able to grow both non GMO and GMO soybeans and remain that segregated uh, uh, purity kind of thing it was quite fascinating to them.
0: Now, one of the things also that was showcased um, was how our farmers are implementing the 4R program. And that's something that uh, you've been involved with as well in terms of helping our growers understand uh, what that involves. Uh, we've had podcasts before about the 4Rs. But um, from your perspective, I guess, how does that program fit into sustainability?
1: The 4Rs is a great piece because it ties into kind of the nutrient management component of a lot of the sustainability um, asks. So, for instance, the SAI platform within their farm sustainability assessment, nutrient management is a component that is asked. So, growers that are uh, going through the certification program through their retailer would then have an opportunity to basically check that box off, you know, compliance. So, um, you know, I think the 4Rs is, is allowing us to kind of move the bar ahead a little bit as it relates to nutrient management. Um, and because it is trying to to work as nutrients as a whole, not just fertilizers, but manure as well, I think it really is a great piece that really leverages well on that nutrient management component that sustainability is, is asking about.
0: So what do you think is next on the horizon when it comes to sustainability and environment and how Grain Farmers of Ontario is incorporating that into our organization?
1: Well, that's a that's a great question. Um, You know, in my time here at GFO, I've definitely seen the evolution of sustainability. And, you know, originally it was general kind of on-farm sustainability was kind of the key focus point. But now what I'm seeing, and and I think into the future, is you're going to see more specific to sustainability themes. So one area of focus that is really starting to come up is as it relates to kind of carbon and soil carbon um, we know the topic of soil health. That's that's becoming more popular. Um, companies are now starting to also kind of look to those specific areas. Another one, obviously, is water quality. Um, you know that's a big piece. Um, you know the Great Lakes, whether it's in the Gulf of Mexico and there, you know, the hypoxia issues there, but also in Ontario and the tri-state area, we have the issues in Lake Erie. So these type of of, of issues that are really um, coming up, companies and, and generally you know, the public are, are concerned about. You know, we see articles in the news about soil health around the globe and how it's degrading and all these sorts of things. So I see sustainability kind of maybe evolving to you know, focus on more of these specific themes and what kind of change we can see in those areas.
0: Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today about sustainability and and all the different projects that we're involved in. I think it was a great conversation to let our farmer members know exactly what we've been working on.
1: No, thanks, Rachel. And and thanks for the opportunity to kind of share a little bit more. Um, You know, I think sustainability is talked about a lot, but it's a great opportunity to kind of share what GFO is doing as it relates to sustainability and and how uh, our farmer members can participate.
0: Joining us now on the podcast is Barry Senth, the CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario. Thanks for taking the time to join us today, Barry.
2: Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you today, Rachel.
0: So we want to start talking today about the weather. That's often a topic that we talk about here on the podcast, but I mean, it's had a really big effect on the growing season uh, so far this year. And now with wheat harvest underway, it's still playing a role.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. The uh because of the lateness of uh, of a lot of the uh, the crop in ontario uh, the uh, challenging planting season and uh, and how it extended um for some even into july uh some of this warm weather is a uh, is a well needed um, uh weather to bring the crop along It um, so the uh, corn and soybeans are advancing well and as you mentioned uh we're now uh, underway with wheat harvest, again, behind uh, in some places likely at least two weeks behind uh, what we ordinarily get at, uh, at wheat harvest. But uh, again, some of the reports coming in uh, from that are, you know, the wheat that did get, uh, that did make it through the winter is uh, yielding well. There's uh, maybe some disease pressures in some points, but overall what we're hearing so far is that it's uh it's got some good yields and um and some good quality so that's very positive uh, given everything that farmers have gone through uh this spring so uh, and the weather of course is playing a big role in that
0: now, the other issue of concern for farmers is the trade issues that are happening globally. We keep hoping for some good news on that front as well, but uh, President Trump in the u s is again picking a fight with China, um, and there's some lingering issues uh, in all aspects. Can you give us an update on what's happening on the trade front?
2: Well, I think it's uh, the uncertainty of uh, of trade between countries, including the u s, China, Canada, um, continues. And as I've said before on these interviews, uh, one thing trade and the uh industry around trade does not like is uncertainty and again with all this uh these discussions and threats and what have you going on it doesn't give uh, it doesn't give the grain industry a lot of security in uh in you know uh grain trade so uh I guess it's just a continuance rachel of uh what we've been experiencing over the last uh few months going on to uh, a year or so already and uh, you know as farmers uh, are getting into the harvest whether it's wheat uh, and then coming up soy you know we uh, we want some maturity in some of these markets at least a portion of the markets that uh, we have some maturity of them and uh, that continues to be a challenge as, as we move into the harvest season.
0: Now, a trade war fund is part of the federal election asks that we do have as green farmers of Ontario as well as some of our other industry partners. What are some of the other issues that we're hoping to get in front of candidates during this busy summer barbecue season ahead of that october election?
2: well, you you mentioned two of them the trade issue and uh, getting some certainty back into uh, into trade with our uh, with our traditional customers. Uh, are important, and then the whole issue of um, the the uh, the government of Canada protecting their uh, farmers through these trade issues, and uh, and again, uh, GFOs ask uh, through uh, and, and through Soy Canada, is that um, you know, given the uh, the downturn in commodity prices, uh, especially on soybeans, is that the government of Canada's got to stand steadfast and uh, protect their farmers and. Uh, you know, going into the federal election, we're going to be playing a uh, a couple of roles. One is a provincial organization and uh, ensuring that our uh, provincial candidates for uh, the election of uh, the federal government and the member of parliament, uh, ensuring that they know the issues that are facing our farmer members. And then through Grain Growers of Canada, uh, we'll be part of a national campaign uh, with, the, uh, with the parties uh, from that perspective. So... Uh, the two big issues, uh, you know, are, uh, you know, the sustainability, go to the sustainability of our farmers, and uh, our farmers need to be making a profit, especially in these days. Uh, you know, we did a study a few uh, months ago about how uh, the costs of inputs have, uh, have been uh, rising for our farmer members, and that's fine in rising commodity prices, but now that uh, commodity prices are going uh, uh, southward, um, you know, input costs aren't going the same direction, and margins are tight for our farmer members, and uh, and they can't, you know, just can't afford hiccups in that. So they need uh, the assurance of their federal government that they're sta- you know, the government standing behind them, as is the U.S. government for their in this particular case, soybean growers. So that'll be two of the big issues going into the federal uh, federal campaign.
0: Well, thanks for taking the time to speak with us today, Barry. We appreciate the update.
2: Well, thank you, Rachel.
0: Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Mike Buttonham and Barry Senf. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.